Hey, what's up? It's Wednesday, July 19th, and thanks for tuning in to another week of the podcast that gives you the most honest viewpoints on the week's hottest sports topics. It's episode 104 of the Chasing Points podcast. What's up? I'm Sam. That is Brandon. I'm pointing, but you can't see it, so just trust me. He's here. As always, thanks so much for listening, and uh, before we get started with the pleasantries or not-so-pleasantries, just... uh, Follow us on Instagram at Chasing Points Podcast or leave us a nice little review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way, but we appreciate it as always. What's up, Hayes? How are you, my friend? Great. It's hot. It's very but hot. I'm great. Uh, it's okay, though. I, I, I enjoy the heat. Uh, I will say it over and over again. I complain about the heat, but I'd much rather it over the snow. Dude, uh, I say that all the time. I much rather this is this is fine in comparison to being cold or snow. I like cold when I sleep, you, but like you know, snow, no thanks, man. You know what's so crazy about it is just think about this. Winter really starts for us in like depending on the year, mid October to late October or beginning of November, right? Technically the, the official day for fall or being for winter to start would be my birthday um well no my birthday is that is for fall to start excuse me i'm sorry i'm losing my mind my birthday the actual day is the first day of fall if you didn't know you're looking right. so confused no i i'm following along i'm right here but, but uh, the, the middle of october is like winter because of the weather that we get it's freezing and then we have that all the way into like mid-april sometimes to the beginning of may and then we get summertime and it's just like we're almost done with summer already and the heat's going to be gone like in a month and a half. I yeah. hate it. I hate it. The Three traditional, months. yeah. Traditional window of like what you would consider fall is like three, four weeks here. It, yep. Same yep. As spring. It's yep. like we barely have a spring and then it's just hot as hell. Very, very and, and we're just stuck January and February in at least i mean we're both in new york it's oh man it's brutal it just sucks it's gloomy seasonal depression is a real thing it's all dirty like it's just i'm over it man i gotta be a snowbird gotta be a snowbird somehow some way i'll figure it out i'll be a snowbird well if people leave five star reviews and tell their friends maybe we can uh maybe so that we can get some uh some good guests on here and then we can do some uh some crazy (laughs) things you know as always we Appreciate the support and uh, enough with the pleasantries, I guess. Let's just dive into it. A lot of fallout, Hayes. Um, your boy, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard didn't come to agreements with their respected teams uh, after being franchise tagged earlier this offseason. So what's that mean uh, for each of these guys going forward? So since they didn't negotiate a long-term extension, by Monday at four o'clock's deadline, they either play for the franchise tag at ten million dollars, or they don't play, um, and they're not allowed to negotiate a long-term deal until after the season. So, Tony Pollard signed his tender with the Cowboys, so he will play for that ten mil. And I'd assume health-related, he did have an awful injury in the playoffs, or yeah, in the playoffs. But um, you know, he, he could negotiate at the end of the year, but. Here we are, Barkley, uh, Josh Jacobs, not coming to an agreement. Um, what 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 are your thoughts first before we dive into some more of a uh, some more info here? 
first and foremost, I, I said to have uh, some great guests on here. We've already had some great guests. I meant like always our athletes. Just wanted to clarify that very quickly. Um, so the day of the running back that we grew up in, the era that we grew up in where running backs were essentially the offense of, of, uh, of an NFL team, those days have been long gone. Teams have shifted to uh, – quarterbacks is where the money is at wide receiver quarterback cornerback uh and lines uh but running back not so much i sent sam actually a graphic that kickers are actually making more uh than running backs and i understand that the shelf life for running backs is has kind of minimized since i guess started watching I started watching football in the early 90s. But for Saquon, I think it's different because not because to be clear, as Sam mentioned, I am a huge Saquon fan, but Saquon is the Giants offense. He literally is the Giants offense. He was the number one in productivity out of all skill positions in offense. So Daniel Jones wants him back. Because Daniel Jones understands that you have a guy like that in the backfield that can break off a run at any point in time. That is the guy uh, that provides offense. Obviously, we know they went and upgraded this offseason. We'll see how that all meshes together. But Saquon also is a phenomenal blocker in the backfield, too. Uh, so you're, and receiver. you're losing a, a, and receiver out of the backfield. So you're losing two key parts to your offense. Uh so I, I think that's very, very interesting. I, I know Josh Jacobs, that situation. I, I mean, I also would pay him as well, I don't, but he's not the sole offense there. It, it, he, he's just not it. And he's also had uh, an up and down uh, career that involved injuries, right? So when he's on the field, he's super productive. Uh, but the problem is when he is on the field, and that's something that we always say, the, the best ability is availability. So the the Raiders are going in a different direction. Which direction that is, Sam, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I I also think he should get paid. Tony Pollard made the most sense is why he was ten- tendered, uh, because he just had that massive injury, and you're not just going to give him the whole house when you don't know how much damage that that injury is done. So basically play on 10 mil and then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. The 10 mil is guaranteed. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's probably, it's a wise move on any of the teams front, right? You guaranteeing this guy top five average value for a running back mm-hmm. and you get him for one year and you can play the year to year game. This is the big, aside from their rookie deals now, and two of them were first-round picks. I don't remember where Pollard was drafted, but he, that he's certainly not making the money that that Saquon and Josh Jacobs were. The Raiders didn't pick up Jacobs' fifth-year option last year, two years ago, whatever. And I think that a lot of that was cleaning house from Mike Mayock and John Gruden. And to your point, Jacobs was not consistent. I think he was probably on the field more than you would think, but you know, he wasn't very good, like consistently good. He had an amazing year last year. We'll not put that, you know, we'll not hold that against him at all. He he was great. So it was kind of like the the 
Giants did the same thing with Daniel Jones. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. He had a good year. They they paid for it. So it's just kind of what the market is for a running back. Uh, with the Cowboys, unless they re-sign Zeke or grab a guy like Leonard Fournette, I mean, look at look at the free agents. We talked about a couple weeks ago, right? The running back depth that is available on waivers or uh, I'm talking about fantasy football. That's just re- <laughs> that is out there essentially on the free agent market. Yeah. would give me pause to hold out in that regard. Like it kind of worked for Le'Veon. He held out, I think it was 2018. He signed that huge deal with the Jets in 2019. But, you know, he wasted a year of his prime and clearly he's not in the league now, but he did get some guaranteed money. Uh, the depth chart behind Tony Pollard is a bunch of rookies, I think. I'm not... Uh, no one else jumps to mind. Um, Jacobs, too, and, and Saquon are used to being like the sole, you know, running back. Um, it's, yeah, it's a bummer for these players. It's it's indicative of the, the running back market when you can draft a guy in the sixth, seventh round and they have a decent career. Um, you know, they're, it's, it's being looked at as kind of a disposable position. Um, which is which is a bummer because it it provides a lot of value to teams and it provides a lot of value to fans to see, you know, especially this new type of running back that we see, you know, Saquon Barkley is the short yardage um, receiver out of the backfield for Daniel Jones. He's that short area tight end role for Daniel Jones and uh, you know, Jacobs can catch a little bit. He doesn't do it as much, but, um, you know, it's it's a bummer for the players here. I know they're all really upset, but how it kind of looks at now, they're not going to lose any money because they either sign the tag or they don't. Um, they're both reported by Schefter. I think it was Schefter saying they're not going to re- uh, go to camp, which, you know, I could understand that. I get it. Um, Camp starts for both teams on July 25th. So what's that next week? Uh, they would start losing money. They would start losing game checks if they missed games. And I, I think it was Diana Rossini reported that week one for Saquon was in question. This was before the deadline even passed. So yeah, they're they're at a pass here. I, I think leverage from the players is kind of gone now. Um, I don't I don't know where these guys, these teams or, or these players go from here. Do you have any, uh, what, what would you do if, if I guess if you were on both sides of the the argument here as a, uh, undervalued employee, uh, I can, uh, sympathize, um, and I can also empathize, uh, for these gentlemen because they do a lot and, what the position is and what it's historically been is run the ball, but you've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. They catch the ball out of the backfield. They block. Uh, it sets up the pass downfield. It's so much that they do and they deserve to be paid. Do they deserve to be paid as they once did? I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm never one to say like you value what you value, you value who you value, right? So you pay right, right. you pay out the way that way. If I'm if I'm within the Giants organization, Saquon not only kind of kept your team relevant, he has been your team. 
So you you pay for that. A guy that wants to be there. Yes, he's had the injuries, and I I know this is a business, and they they want to do that. If that's the case, then you should have drafted a new running back when this time and knowing this time was coming. Which I'm hearing Matt Miller, uh, right, or Matt Miller is who it is, um, has has suggested that that teams start doing exactly that. Like once they get to the on the verge of of signing that contract, that extension is drafting another running back and then going that route. Um, it's just something needs to happen. It, it's just. I just feel that that position is undervalued because especially with a, a, a guy like Saquon, if you have to load the box to stop him, what that what does that mean downfield? That means you can drop the ball over top. There's less coverage back there and it changes the game. If you take a Saquon out and you just look at the offense that they have right now, or let's just think about the offense they had last year without a Saquon, who's the ball going to? Are they a playoff team? No. So, uh, you yeah, pay, so, you pay worth. I think you pay for the player, and Saquon is is like I said, different in this in this case to me. Yeah, I think you know with Saquon because he got he had a great rookie year, one rookie of the year, right? Offensive rookie of the year. Then he got hurt, and it took him more. Uh, took him longer than normal to come back. And I say normal in parentheses here, like <laughs> I, I get it. Um, to come back from an ACL injury, not everyone is Adrian Peterson, um, but I, I think you know, a little bit too, I, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen. I think I, I probably just did, but you know, these teams are, I don't think it matters. They're looking at it. I can draft Alvin Kamara in the third round from Tennessee, you know, or, you know, we'll just play the best availability or abilities availability. As you mentioned at the top, like I will find someone to run through the tackles. Um, yeah, he's he's an important part of this Giants offense, no doubt. Because when you look at this receiving core, there there are a lot of questions. But I I think they're just he's in a no win situation now. It's like the leverage is gone. He either you know he shows up or he he starts losing money. Like I don't think it's necessarily fair. I don't like the franchise tag at all. I understand it from a business standpoint. I don't necessarily think it's beneficial um certainly not to players but uh you know it's certainly used as a asset or a weapon in in front offices here so any uh any final thoughts on the running back market before we move on here nope let's just get to uh something that i have more questions about d hop oh right uh nick chubb last guy to sign a deal over 10 million dollars in 2021 so it's been over 700 days, according to ESPN. Yeah, but speaking of undervalued, DeAndre Hopkins was cut from the Arizona Cardinals in, um, I believe it was sometime in May. He had a huge cap hit. This team, Arizona, is is arguably the r- worst roster in uh, football now. That's um, That's been well documented. And he was cut loose. And he finally landed with the Tennessee Titans here. It was rumored that he could go to a lot of different places. New England, Baltimore, uh, to name a few here, but he lands in Tennessee. It's a two-year deal worth up to $15 million in the first year. That's according to ESPN. Last year, D-Hop had 64 receptions for 717 yards, three touchdowns. He only played nine games. You remember he was uh, suspended Suspended. for Mm -hmm. the first six games of the year because of performance enhancing or failing a drug test um, for PED. So 
thoughts on uh, D Hop arriving in Nashville? I I was hoping somehow, some way, he would have figured out uh, how to go to the Chiefs. Um, yeah, because the Chiefs really haven't had a wide receiver of that caliber since Tyreek Hill. Uh, you can you can say what you want about any other player. Mahomes is going to make that player better no matter what. He's I mean, yeah. Look at Juju, correct, Tony. correct. He, yeah, but I I feel that. If D Hop was there, we all we already know who the number one wide receiver is on that team, and that's Kelsey. So no matter what, the ball is going to him a bulk of the time. But with D Hop and his route running, or his routes that he runs, that would space out the field so much, and you would have to really, really choose what the hell you wanted to do. And I think that would really make teams second guess for the Titans. They're just like. One of the mysteries of the NFL to me. Um, <laughs> I, you, you trade AJ Brown to my Eagles. I'm very thankful as an Eagle fan, yeah. but if I'm a Titan fan or if I'm the Titan GM, I never let AJ Brown leave that building. You pay that man and then you go from there. So now you're getting D Hop, who is a great wide receiver, but a older wide receiver now where you would have AJ Brown that was younger and you could have continued to build a future around them. I just think it's intriguing because I have no idea what they're doing in Tennessee, to be honest. They were flirting with possibly signing, re-signing Derrick Henry or not over the offseason. Remember hearing that conversation. They have three quarterbacks now. You have Tannehill, uh, Malik, and then you also have uh, Levy, right? Will Levis, yeah. Levis, there you go. Um, I, I don't know what they do. I don't know who's throwing him the ball. I don't know what is going on. I know they will be, and, they, and they've kind of fallen from grace to me. They, they were a team that you kind of threw in that playoff conversation, and they've kind of missed the mark for me the last couple of years. I, I don't know what's going on in that organization, Sam. I, I've, yeah. They're a mystery to me. I, that's that's where I stay. It's a sign that they want to be competitive, right? I mean, he could have, they they probably gave him the most money. I don't know what D-Hop values. It sounded like he wanted to go to a contender. You know, Tennessee doesn't jump out as a contender. I don't think they're going to win their division with with Jacksonville in there. But this team's team's a year older now. Tannehill inconsistent. He was hurt last year. What we saw from Malik Willis, I mean, we both agree that he certainly needs more time, um, but it wasn't it wasn't good what we saw. And or, Will Levis or you know, time at all because the right. team was not game planned for him. So, yeah, and and Derrick Henry has been uh, overlooked his whole career. I feel like every year he ends up um, not now, but in the earlier parts of his career when he started putting up monster end of the seasons like you know, kind of wasn't appreciated in that role. But, you know, I have to imagine that another year and, and taking the hits, I mean, he's certainly injured a lot. Um, I, I I would imagine they're going to give it their best shot and then see where they're at. And is it the Will Levis show? I mean, they, they used an earlier pick on him. He's, you know, uh, probably the future of the team, if not him, Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know necessarily what comes of it, but it, it was a sign to say they're going to be competitive. I mean, Traylon Burks, a sophomore receiver who I like a lot, uh, but I, you know, he's not, he didn't show in, in his freshman year that he's ready to take on that load. Yeah, so aren't, aren't they trying to peg him as the, the, the replacement of AJ Brown, the, the next best thing? Cause that's all I kept hearing about. I after. think they drafted him with the pick that, they yeah. got from the Eagles. So. Correct. And and I like him. He's on my da- dynasty fantasy football team. I like him a lot. I just, you know, you need some more weapons regardless, especially in, in today's NFL regard, you know, I, I just don't, it's, it's a confusing move. Definitely. Because I, I just, I, I appreciate them wanting to be competitive. I just don't think they will be, but they need to figure out, teams always figure it out. Yeah. They need to figure out their rebuild or not. Like, cause that's what it seems like they're, they're in purgatory at this point in time. I don't know yeah, which way, way to go. It's, are we rebuilding? Or are we just trying to give it a last hurrah to, to make it with this team? I, and maybe, I, I and maybe that's what this is, right? Is this the last hurrah? Is this it? You know, we'll get to the trading deadline and see where we're at or, you know, um, pass the torch under center, if you will. So yeah, yeah. a little confusing, but, but what are you going to do there? Speaking of confusing, <laughs> Move to the NBA. We, uh, you know, we've been talking about James Harden signed or picked up this option and then said he wanted to be traded to the Clippers. His uh, GM, uh, Daryl Morey, with 76ers, was previously his GM with the Houston Rockets. Well, Morey was on a um, 97.5 in Philly today and, uh, you know, discussed this a little more than you know a little more insight than we've previously had said he wanted to honor Harden's trade request but if we don't get either a good player or something that we can turn into a good player very good player we're just not going to do it and there's been a lot of reports that this relationship is over severed you know not what the perception previously was of this so mm-hmm. you know uh candid candid remarks from Maury basically saying he wishes it was a different, um, you know, things were different. Um, but Harden also wants a different kind of contract, and Maury's looking to win for the team. And if Harden can win along the way, then then he'll do it. But um, yeah, well, this is a little different than the, I guess the perception that we've had in in recent weeks. But uh, what do you think happens here with uh, this? stance between Harden and and his GM well I'll say speak for yourself with the recent weeks comment because I've been hearing that this is kind of been on the verge due to Harden wanting some he wanted uh owner's stake within the 76ers is the rumor that I keep hearing being swirled around and once Maury and the the team the organization were kind of like yeah no James you're not getting that um, I can understand if he was doing that in, in Houston, right? That's where he spent uh, a good bulk of his his career, his MVP type. Prime. Yeah, yeah, that's where it was. So I can understand that, and and obviously the attraction that he has to going back there, which has been shut down too. But Daryl Morey, to me, has done more than enough for James Harden in his career uh, and being together. I mean, he got him to Houston, or he came to Houston. He got the pieces that he wanted, the Chris Pauls, the Westbrooks, um, to try to compete 
and it just did not pan out. And then obviously he leaves, goes to Philly, and he still somehow, some way gets James into Philly where it needs to be. James needs to have a a talk with the man in the mirror because he is not the old James Harden. And teams aren't going to pay him the money that is rumored to be asked for. So I'm again never one to count somebody's pockets, their 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 wallet. I I don't care to do that, but from a fan and and understanding the business to a certain extent, that money that he's asking for is just not going to happen. It's going to have to be like a team that really has nothing, like a Washington Wizards, right? Like it would have to be a team like that, and they don't have anything to really give up. To to Maury's point, so who's really giving up assets for an older James Harden? I don't know many teams that would do that at this point. And at this point now, with you have to imagine <laughs> leverage Clippers, you know, he wants to come here. We really don't have the assets that we once had because of getting Paul George and um and whatnot there. But it's this is also a guy who like got his way out of Brooklyn when he realized it wasn't a great situation. And I could understand that. And Brooklyn is maybe the outlier here because it turned out to not be a great situation, but Maury also finessed uh, Ben Simmons, who has barely played. Did even, has he even played with the Nets? Like barely? Yeah. Um, Like maybe 10 games. Yeah. he, He turns that into James Harden and can, you can do something with that, but you know, he's one of the smarter GMs and, and, you know, presidents of basketball operations and in basketball, I have to imagine he is, you know, he will uh, dig in and get what's best for his team because he needs to win. You have Joel Embiid in your prime. You have to win, you know? So that's, that's kind of my, my take on it. Um, Yeah, I agree with you too. I don't know who's paying, I said this in the beginning of the offseason in the playoffs. I don't know who's paying for this James Harden. I, I, I don't know who is. I wouldn't. It, it just It's not the same. He has not been the same since that hamstring injury. He's not been the same at all. And every time things get, I guess, gets to a spot, like I understand he wants to win, but if he he, he actually to me, I don't know if he wants to win because if he does, that's the best spot for him to be. But he wants to get paid. He wants to get one last big contract. And the Sixers aren't going to be able to do that because they're trying to be contenders in that ever-improving division. So I I don't know. He's going to have to make make a decision, but I, it's not looking too good for that relationship or James Harden's time with the Sixers. So, I, I mean, does that trade really, like the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade, does that really – is there really a winner? Or, or does it just – Void out each other at this point because yeah I they mean, made it to the the playoffs but they didn't win anything. Well, if you're if you're judging it on winning, I mean that yeah they made the playoffs. They probably got what to the same point that they did with Ben Simmons, but uh, I yeah. wouldn't even at this point. This James Harden, who is a shell of himself, he's had moments, but um, consistently not had moments. He's better than Ben Simmons. I would take I would take James Harden than Ben Simmons and 
all due respect to whatever is going on with Ben Simmons, but he, but James Harden's on the court, even though he may not seem like he's fully committed to basketball because of all the other nonsense that we hear about yeah. or, you know, talking about, you know, what he does when he's not on the court or is his, you know, his, you know, uh, health or body type or whatever, but it's just, I don't know. I, I would get, I, I agree with Maury in this case. And I usually side with, with players here. I mean, yeah, you have Joel in his, in his prime. You don't have a ton of assets. Let me, uh, do what's best for this team. And, uh, you know, you also have guys like Tobias Harris taking a, a big chunk of the payroll too. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta do what's best with, for the team in, in this regard. And I say that because we're not talking peak James Harden here. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can stop talking about James Harden now at this point. Cause I'm tired of talking about James Harden. I'm good. We good. can add him to the list of guys we don't want to talk about anymore. No, I mean, we're going to still talk about him, but I'm just tired of talking about him now. It's too, too much on James Harden. I've heard his name too much. It's driving me crazy. All right. Well, we'll, We'll do better. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, no more problem. James Harden. Kind of kind of just hope that just hurry up and we can stop talking about it, period, because it's just there's so many other good young basketball players I'd much rather talk about than James Harden. Remember when Jimmy Butler was on the Sixers? Yeah. Mm. And you chose to pay to buy his mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are in limbo. It's a New York Yankees season. Uh, they're in last place in the AL East. I will say, I believe you know, they just had an over overtime extra innings loss to the Angels last night. This is Tuesday night as we're recording this. Um, look, they're in last place in the the East. They're probably still one of the better teams in the American League, just based on on record. But they have been losing a lot. Certainly, the whole that Aaron Judge is um, in the middle of that lineup. That's something. But regardless, Aaron Judge can't do it all by himself, even though he last year was kind of a testament to that, even though he uh, he had a record year. Uh, this team offensively is not clutch. They're not, um, they're not playing small ball. They're not getting on base. And it's just kind of the same old Yankees offense that we, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone every year. It's the same thing, same thing. So a lot of, you know, certainly the, the trade deadlines, August 1st, quickly approaching here. Yankees have been rumored to be in all kinds of deals from Juan Soto to Shohei Otani to even little moves like Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. A lot of things I think could be addressed with this Yankee team. Uh, Hayes, you put on your GM cap. You are now the general manager of the 27-time World Series champion New York Yankees. How would you address the trade deadline? Otani. <laughs> That's how okay. I would address, address that. Do what you used to do as the Yankees and go out and get the best name and pay for it. Either that because you stockpile all of these great and top prospects, either trade them or call them up and let them play. I don't care either way that they go at this point in time. I'm not going to lie. I'd much rather than lean towards the younger kids and bring them up, and we can actually build a team that way because that is the way that 
baseball is trending towards is building young teams from your farm system and look at all the young teams that are now shifting uh, the power in MLB. That would be the way I really would go. But if you can get Shohei Otani, a once in a generational player, you go and get him. You go and you channel your father's spirit and you go out and you get this man. And while you're out there wheeling and dealing for that, get an offensive catcher that can actually be what we know as catchers to be like a uh, a power at bat, something that could add numbers to the board. You know, maybe go get, if you bring up, I mean, Peraza's up now, which did I not say that? a while ago when Donaldson got injured the first time. Yeah. So Donaldson hurt his calf so bad that it's probably the grade is so high. That's considered a tear. Yeah. He's uncertain. He'll play the rest of the year and he's a free agent at the end of the year. And Peraza came up yesterday. Did you see the game last night? I saw some of it, but I can read you a stat line. You want to hear it? Sure. One for one with a hit. Okay. Four walks, two stolen bases. I don't know how many runs scored. They lost the game, but he let off. He was on the base pretty damn often is what I'm hearing. He was on base five times. He only scored one run. There are a lot of, you know, that's there's an asterisk next to that that could go on. Mm -hmm. Obviously, moving guys along has been a problem if it's not a home run. Uh, But yeah, let the kids play. He can play third. DJ can play third. You know, the three of them between Torres, you spell Volpe. He, I look. I still think Anthony Volpe is going to be a good player and he shows signs. Yeah. He's showing signs. He's hitting the ball hard. He's, you know, if you look at the underlying chicken parm. stuff since chicken, chicken parm. parm. Yeah. Uh, you look at some of the underlying numbers there. It just kind of shows he's been a little unlucky. He's hitting the ball hard right at, right at the guys. He's not supposed to hit it at, but you know, uh, he's not running enough, but he's not getting on base enough. Um, look, I, I don't, I'm not willing to trade for Otani or Soto to rent them for six months or three months. Cause I don't think it's going to do anything. Look, I would, I would pay $60 million for Otani because you are getting the best hitter in baseball and a top 10 pitcher in baseball. So I, and that's one roster spot. I would do it. I would, or I would pay for Juan Soto. I love Juan Soto. Uh, but I'm not going to, I don't want to give up this talent if I'm going to rent these guys with no assurances that I'm going to sign them. And either of these players would be foolish Soto or Otani to give any kind of guarantees that they would sign there just based, you know, they're hit the, let them hit the open market. But I, I, I'd be reluctant to do that. That's why you're hearing, with every Soto or Arenado, you know, uh, rumor, you're also hearing the the lower ones, the the smaller deals, the you know what got us Harrison Bader last year, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I don't even Randall Gritchick, who can't even stay healthy, or you know, in, in Coors Field there. I just I don't know if any of it's going to. End well, up I'll, working. I'll say to that though. But I mean, it's yeah, it may be a rental at this point in time, but that's that is in the Yankees DNA. You come from sure. a man that would take the risk to do that. And then you show them why you're going to stay here and why we're going to get the money and do that. Now, 
we've passed up on a lot of good players. And I mean, we, I'm not a part of the Yankees organization, just a fan speaking as a fan. Same bro. Same. We passed up on so many potential trades and getting certain people. We could have had Bryce Harper who made it abundantly clear that he wanted to come to the Yankees. Am I wrong, Sam? He showed up when the Yankees showed up in Washington, his free Mm -hmm. agent year, Mm -hmm. he shaved his damn beard. Mm-hmm. And said he would play first base. Okay. Okay. So thank you, Sam, for proving my point here is that there's been plenty of players that that are prominent names in baseball that have want to come to the Yankees, but the Yankees have not been willing to part ways with prospects, which is fine, which is fine. But then you keep these young guys in the farm system for an eternity, and then you finally want to bring them up, and it's just like all right, well, they're not really panning out now. It's like, well, while they have the value, get rid of them then. You're over here. Sam Sam shared with me the other day during the draft that the Yankees went and drafted a shortstop. And I said, what the hell is going on? And Sam says, you know, they're, they're going to use this, potentially use this for bait. He might turn out, pan out to something. But okay, well, <laughs> when are we going to trade somebody to get somebody that, that can do something for us to actually get us over the hump and beat the goddamn Astros? Because it seems like we never do it. We never do it. The problem was pitching. We went out and got pitching. Now it's the offense. Now the offense is completely built around Aaron Judge, and then Aaron Judge is not there, and then there's no offense. Like, what are we going to do? Also, the infinite amount of injuries that continue to plague this team for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, we can't beat the uh, the Astros aren't having a, a great, great year, but we're not beating. We took Garrett Cole from them. Justin Verlander's not on the team. Jose Altuve is hurt. We still probably can't beat them in the playoffs. It's just, you know, it's uh you mean if we can even get to the playoffs? Because that doesn't look like that's happening at all. Yeah, this year. I, I just saw something uh, earlier today that was like the Yankees. What was it? Something about the Yankees odds. Uh to make the playoffs or like they have better odds to not make the playoffs and make the playoffs this year from some sports book. So it's like, this is, this is where we're at. We're at here. Um, that was our Yankee segment brought to you by us. Chasing points podcast. Follow us on Instagram at chasing points podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just going to go on another rant. I'm, I'm going to save it, but here we go. Instead of doing power rankings, this week, I just figured it's kind of the halfway point of the season. We're a little past that, but instead of doing that, we'll just kind of quickly give you a, how I would see the the first half awards going. It's pretty chalk, guys. I'm not gonna not gonna lie here. I mean, I I think these were, are kind of layups, but it just kind of seems like it's it's that kind of year. Uh, AL MVP, I Shohei Otani. Uh, these numbers are as of this morning or last night, so. 35 homers, 75 RBI, 68 runs, 306 batting average, um, uh, 11 stolen bases, 6.8 war. That's just his offense. Seven. He's 7-5, 5 ERA, 139 Ks in 105 innings. Insane. I mean, he put up, he's on, I saw something that like he had the same kind of June that um Aaron Judge did last year and he's on pace for like 60 something home runs so I mean he's just continuing to do it he has a blister injury which is kind of hilarious when you think about it like the best player in baseball can't pitch or is limited because he has a blister but that's the life of a pitcher right um 
so yeah, this this dude's gonna get six hundred million dollars, and it's could seem like a bargain. And I it took me a long time to buy into the Otani hype, like a real longer than most. But uh, you know, in his prime, Babe Ruth only pitched for like two years consistently. So I mean, here we go. Oh yeah, when he had Tommy John surgery as a pitcher, he was still hitting. It's just it's it's remarkable here. Uh, guy's gonna getting the bag is an understatement. But in in the uh, NL, Ronald Cunha Jr. hell of a year, forty three stolen bases. That just insane. I know it's easier to steal a base now. You, the bases are bigger, the distance is shorter, uh, and you have that pickoff rule where you can't throw over or disengage more than twice. He's having a, a career year. He's doing it from the leadoff spot, which is just nutty to to think about. 23 homers, 58 RBIs, 82 runs. Oh, yeah, he's batting 333. Kevin Gossman of the Blue Jays would be my Cy Young in the AL. Zach Gallen, uh, one of my favorite pitchers in the NL uh, for the Diamondbacks. And Rookie of the Year, um, Josh Young of the Rangers. He started in the All-Star Game as a rookie. Um, 19 homers, 58 RBIs, batting 275. Um, part of this insane Ranger offense, and I traded him in my dynasty baseball league, and it's still haunting me to this day. Hayes <laughs> for Alex Bregman. Mm-hmm. I hate myself. I hate mm-hmm. life. It's bad. Stay away from uh, the Astros. At least I have this guy in that same team. Corbin Carroll, we've I've talked about him a lot. You've talked about him. 18 homers, 48 RBI, 64 runs, hitting 284, 37 war. He's he's having a great year. And part of the reason that the Diamondbacks are a force in the NL West right now. So those that that would be my awards at at the midseason point here. Any takeaways from my list? The only person that would have combated Otani would have been judge and the fence took judge out. So uh, that was kind of like a runaway. And then Acuna, we've mentioned numerous times about how he is one of our favorites. I'm just glad he's putting it all together and this is well-deserved. So happy to see that for him. Uh, Definitely would be keeping an eye out as much as I can. Sam is our baseball guy. I've lost love for baseball right now. It's just really hard for me to watch. It really, really is. Really, really is, Sam. I tried to watch it the other day. Just couldn't. <laughs> Just couldn't. What are you watching? Uh, we, t- we talked about this last time, but maybe pick another team to watch, man. <sighs> nope. There's, there's a lot of fun out there. I was telling you about the bombs Ellie De La Cruz was throwing from third yeah, base. No, I'm watching night. him. I'm watching his highlights yeah. every chance that I can get. I'm watching the young players, and they're they're exciting. But, I mean, again, it's my – when it's your favorite team and they're just absolutely uh, booty butt cheeks, then you don't want to have to uh, watch what's going on out there. It's just a travesty. It's a train wreck. I'm good. I'm good on it. Uh, last last point on baseball. So I'm not allowed to talk about the wall in L.A., but you are. You told me a couple weeks ago to not bring up that the wall took Aaron Judge out, but you're allowed to talk about it. I mean, I said it very briefly, and that was it. You act as if I had a whole uh, dissertation about it. It's fair. I'm just bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we got UFC corner this week. I saw that Holly Holm lost, right? 
I didn't even see that. I know that yeah. that was happening, but didn't see it. I mean, last time we did the pod, we had Volganowski win in a uh, very, very loving fashion. I just can't wait to see his next fight. Also, very weird exchange <laughs> with my boy Israel in there, but I think that's just, if you know history, it's just a lot of racial tension between in South Africa. So just brush up on your history if you don't know. But uh, yeah, just very, very interesting matchups that are happening. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in intrigued. And shout out to Robbie Lawler for getting a KO within like the first thirty seconds of the fight to end his career. Um, shout out to him. But the next, the next main is for the BMF title, which is Gaethje and Poirier, and I. That is going to absolutely be a brawl, and I cannot wait. To watch that, so yeah. Okay. Why did Done. you just stare at me like that? Because I'm, we're not in the same room, and I have to stare at the camera. That was that was just the creepiest stare I've ever gotten from you ever. I don't know what that stare was, but don't no dip, don't double down on the stare after you do that. After <laughs> clip this and uh, making a note right now at the forty four minute mark. We'll post it on Instagram. I don't know what you're talking about. Please uh, don't. Yeah, so uh, I know you don't want to, but let's play Do You Care. The okay, greatest shooter in NBA history won the American Century Championship Celebrity Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe this weekend. He had an eagle on the last hole, the 18th hole, um, to win. He beat a former tennis player. I don't remember who it was. doesn't matter. Uh, Steph was really happy about this. And uh, I was happy for him because, like, he's been participating in this event for a long time, and he finally won, and he sounded really happy. So do what you love, guys. Do what you love. Are you sure that he won on that shot? I could have sworn he won on that putt. That shot just happened earlier, I think. I thought he had an eagle on 18. I don't know if it was on 18. It was a part five. He definitely, he definitely had an eagle, which is wild that the greatest shooter had hit one of the greatest shots. He had a hole in, in one on, on yeah, yeah. Friday. So then yeah. maybe he did have an eagle on the 18 hole. So there you go. Um, I mean, of course I care. Steph is just an athlete. He's living his best life as he should. He's, he's getting his flowers while he's here. Enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy it. Uh, you, you should. Because at this point of his career – He's obviously still competitive. He's still the greatest shooter, but uh, his time is will be approaching. I, I hope not anytime soon, though. But I, probably within the next five years, we'll see a different Steph and see what what level he's playing to. So enjoy it while you can. And I mean, at least we know he potentially has a career in golf after uh, yeah. basketball is done. I was reading a bunch of stuff about how like he had a really bad playoff game a couple of years ago and he was like, I'm going to play golf before practice. And then he dropped like a billion points in the next game. Like it, that golf just kind of like regulates him and like helps him in that regard. And I mean, he's just, he has the coordination clearly that he could, I mean, size permitting could do anything. Right. Um, just the, the talent that he has and clearly he's, you know, he's not, done yet you could argue the end of his prime is 
happening and he's already the greatest shooter of all time he's eclipsed all of those records so like not points but necessarily but just from three-point range it's um yeah it's it's a special moment and uh to to just see it you know to see greatness in general it's uh it's really cool to see i think this deserves its own do you care but i made it topic one and a half um our favorite WNBA basketball player can i say that Okay. Uh, WNBA All Star Weekend and our own New York New York Liberty Sabrina Ionesco recently set the record 37 points in a single round at the three point shooting competition. She connected on 25 of 27 shots to win the event. Steph was on uh, NBA Today on Monday, yesterday, and he said, uh, you know, uh, basically, Let's go. Like, let's, you know, challenge Sabrina to a uh, shoot off, if you will. You now you have the the best shooter in NBA history and not the best shooter WMEA, certainly right now in, in Sabrina. Um, do you care? And who you got? I'm pretty sure he she issued it to him right after winning. Because she took she that posed, picture of, yeah, the she did the initiative. pose like Steph and she issued that challenge to him and I would love to see it, but Sabrina, I love you to death. You're a phenomenal basketball player. I don't know if you want that smoke. (laughs) I I just, I don't care who you are. Like I wouldn't even say that to like Ray Allen or Reggie Miller. And that's one, two, three on the leaders list in the NBA. I wouldn't even say like you guys want that smoke. Uh, Steph is just different. Um, but I love it because she's never going to back down from anybody. And, and that is that is that mentality that will have you as a winner. And just the fact that she's blossoming to what we thought she was going to be and, and what she was in college in the WNBA, I absolutely love it. So, yeah, bring that on. I think that would be cool. They can do it for, for charity um, and, and get, get some, get, make a good cause out of it. So definitely have, yeah. have that happen. I would definitely watch that. I mean, you can make it like the uh, the match, right? Like the the golf, the celebrity golf thing. Mm-hmm. Or they've had last round, they had what uh, Mahomes and Kelsey against Steph and Clay, like something like that. Or uh, yeah, for charity, that would that would be awesome. I I think I agree with you. I just Steph is Steph is Steph. Um, I you know you could do you know you could do whatever with the lines or the ball. It's just nothing against Sabrina. I, she's one of my favorite athletes to watch just in general. Um, it doesn't matter about she's, lines. It's Steph Curry. Yeah, he's, he's yeah that's what I mean. The, like it's, yeah, it doesn't it's matter just, where it is. Just, it, you just sometimes it's just there's someone in the way. But yeah, she's she's good at basketball and uh, the Liberty are, are playing well and she's getting her points on a loaded liberty team and uh you know it's just gl- uh, glad to see her healthy because um that injury she had her rookie year took her most of last year to to come back from and mm-hmm. um you know she's or the year before but she's uh she's good she's good hey topic two lebron he's going back to number 23 for the lakers he did confirm that he's coming back at the SBs. did you watch the SBs? i did not me neither Um, but but according to ESPN, James chose number, uh, 
to go back to 23 out of respect for NBA great Bill Russell. Um, remember last July, we lost Bill Russell at the age of 88 and the NBA and last August retired number six across the league, but certainly, um, you know, grandfathered in anyone that previously was wearing six. Um, so now he's back to 23. Uh, do you care? I only reason I care is because of the story that he's doing it for Bill. Um, outside of that, I could care less. LeBron changes that number way too often. I, I've never seen somebody change that number, their number so often. Like literally, you're in Cleveland as 23. You go to Miami, you're six. Then you leave, and you're then you're 23 again. And then you go to the, the Lakers, and then you're six again. And then you're 23 again. Like I don't care. Like just. I just want to see you play basketball. I don't care what numbers on there. I'm not buying yeah, your jersey, so I don't care. Don't I care. Was, I was out recently at a work thing, and I saw someone walking down the street in a Lakers 6 jersey. And I was like, wow, I don't, you don't see many of those. Um, I feel bad for that, dude. LeBron should find that guy in Northern Jersey and give him a new jersey. Well, if he's going to do that, he's going to have to give that to uh, several thousand fans. Uh, that we're the sixth jersey. You know, like uh, Fanatics has that jersey assurance thing where if like a guy gets traded, you can within, you know, six months or something, you can get a new jersey or something. Yeah, I they, wonder if that goes for numbers too. They absolutely have a hit out on LeBron for as many times as he's yeah, like, 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 whoever like yeah, Damn it, LeBron again? <laughs> like, LeBron, I thought we talked about this. Like, what's going on? <sighs> yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. Just keep 23 and just the just, NBA does have a, a pretty good number policy. Um, just like the, the, oh no, it's the NFL. Like it used to be where you have to like either buy out all the jerseys that were printed in that number. I remember like Patrick Peterson wanted yeah. to change and it was yeah. like he had to wait a year or something like that. So like that's pretty cool, but yeah, I, I don't care. Uh, LeBron coming back and playing, I'm glad we don't have to do this song and dance for another two months yeah um but yeah i i don't care i care about bill russell i think that's cool that the nba did that and uh you know his number should have been retired while he was still alive yeah yeah it should have been retired a long time ago last one do you care cam whitmore houston rockets rookie won the nba summer league mvp but the rockets lost to the Cavs (laughs) in the summer league championship do you care yes because cam whitmore is an is a monster if you guys had not had the chance to watch the summer league um there's still a couple leagues going on right now definitely should peep that out check that out for sure um it is there's a lot of good young talent in there uh sam and i've shared a few one i was surprised that sam knew who he was i was very excited about that um, I texted you on draft night. Well, I didn't, Sam. We text so much. Do you yeah. know how much did you miss of mine too? I don't. We text so much, people. I want you to understand that I text Sam more than he texts me, and I send him a bunch of shit. So I don't know if he sees it or not, but I send him a ton of stuff. So for him we to be saying this. this to me, for him to be saying this to me, as if I'm going to remember all of our conversations and the stuff that he sends us is ridiculous. So just want to give some context to that. But here here it is. Go ahead. 
we talked about this last week, I think, or last episode. ESPN, Bleacher Report, CBS, whatever, they sent Athletic, they send out a notification. Literally, (laughs) within a minute, that article or headline or whatever screenshot is sent to me from Brennan Hazelwood. Within a minute. My whole government, Jesus. (laughs) All right, what did you think of Cam Whitmore? I texted you on draft night. Whoever is getting Cam Whitmore is getting a steal. He was one of the most talented players in the draft went to Villanova. He went, he was selected by the Rockets at pick 20. You could have made a case that he should have won the top. You know, he could have won three, four or five. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what kept him off the draft board for so many teams, but, uh, email and and company in Houston. If you know, this guy checks out and I don't know if it was a behavioral thing or attitude thing or something off the court or whatever, but, this guy can play, and uh, he averaged 25 rebounds, two assists, three steals. Uh, I, I like the player a lot, and I texted you whoever gets him is getting a steal, and I'm glad he was able to showcase that. And uh, certainly, you know, Wemby had his moment for a couple couple games. Brandon Miller, uh, Scoot got hurt. Hopefully he's all right. Um, both the Thompson twins didn't, you know, didn't play a lot, but that's to be expected. I'm glad... Um, you know, someone like this was able to, uh, you know, pick lower in the draft, was able to get that run and kind of show why he should have been maybe a, a top 10 pick. I, I will say this, and I'm going to bridge the gap here. I, I will say to GMs and scouting teams, you are looking at young men in college and you're judging them on their personality in college. I ask of you as grown adults, to think back to what you were doing at college in college and would you have want to be judged for that at that point in time? Because I know a lot of people that little did a lot of dumb things in college and have went on to be some pretty amazing people. Sam sprays in his hand as being one of them uh, because the word out on Jalen Carter and his situation was so terrible, but we just got an article this past week of how he took money out of his own scholarship to make sure that his teammate was fed. How often did you hear that prior to the draft? I'll tell you I how many times I once. heard it. Not once. Zero. Not once. Zero. All you kept hearing about is that car situation, which is absolutely terrible and and needed to be discussed. It, it did definitely needed to be discussed, but, but people are complex. And there's many levels to people and people make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. So if a young man like a Cam Whitmore, who, as you say, which I agree, could have been higher. I don't know if it was his his personality or things that he may have done or the background that they've done on them. I, I just I don't think he interviewed well either. But, you know, <laughs> that's a a lot of people don't you know, interview well in just regular yeah. jobs. And then they go on and get the position or they get something and they excel. Like we got to dig deeper and, and really see people for who they are. But that's a whole nother topic. Sam, I do have a bonus one for you. Bonus, do you care? So while we were sitting here, while we were sitting here, the veterans, the veteran running backs, okay, they have organized a group text chain during which they have been commiserating about the current market at the position and brainstorming regarding strategies for improving (laughs) the situation. It's a coup. It's a running back coup. 
<laughs> do you do you care about the yeah, running back yeah. too? Austin Eckler is like at the top of top of the heap too. He's like, pay me. Mm-hmm. It's it's Eckler, uh, McCaffrey, Henry, Jacobs, Saquon. Those are the names that I I think I'm seeing right here. And then it went on to say, I'm trying to see who this quote was, but it says, as of money, the plan of as as of Monday, excuse me, the plan of action was to complain about the situation on social media, which some of them did. Ultimately, they need the league and the NFL Player Association to recognize the problem and fix it. Whew, this is interesting. Um, I care because this is just content for us to talk about. Uh, I care because it's it's because uh, there's going to be people like that. Just imagine like the people that are casual listeners don't really care. They can be like, oh, it's millionaires talking, arguing about millions and crying over getting millions of dollars. But it's just like I also see these guys. This is what they worked their whole life for. And and they're the position that they grew up and played and wanted to play in this this prestigious league. Now they have to fight for the the culture, the history of that position while they try to push it forward and all that they do. Yeah, so I do care because I, I, I'm curious to see how this is going to go. If they get enough people, I, I wonder how this is going to uh, roll out or lay out at the end. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, maybe they could look to the, the PA could look to like change the franchise tag rule or something like that. I mean, you, you told me earlier and you shared a graphic with me. I think the um, the reference was from Sports Track, which is a, a cool website that kind of like tracks the financials, the contracts of all these professional athletes. And it said that kickers make more than running backs by, you know, a million or half a million mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, I would say the caveat there is a lot of running backs are unsigned and make nothing. And a lot of them don't get a second contract, Yeah, but I would love to see what that is. And I might even do it cause I'm a nerd, but take the top, the starting running back on each team and see what that is. And I bet you, I mean, it's not going to be 1.8 million, but it's certainly not going to be, I would be surprised if it's even 5 million. Well, I was I was watching ESPN this morning, and uh, Darren Orlowski said something that was very interesting. He said that the the Giants and Saquon were off by like a couple million or something like that. Basically, that was like enough. That I think he equated it to like the parking spot. It was like that much in that, and that's how far off they were. Um, what do you mean by the parking spot? I guess it's a, like a paid parking spot or whatever. Like it's like, yeah, I, I got to uh, read it to it a little bit more. But when he said that, I was just like, please tell me that's not the case. And they were only off by a couple million. Like if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm going in there like, let's restructure. <laughs> let's let's yeah. restructure. Take that two million and give it to him. Like get him out here. If It's just that. Yeah. Like, I mean, but- at the current rules, too. I mean, it, it seems like nothing he can do. He risks his career for that guaranteed 10 million and hopefully he isn't banged up enough uh, too much and he can sign a, another extension or, you know, he just loses whatever he was set to make or no. Yeah. He'd lose 10 million. Cause he's not a, he's not a uh, under contract. So yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, 
Yeah, I like the coup though. That's cool. I don't know what's going to happen. Is this like when a bunch of angry people create like petition.com or whatever? But um, yeah, no, it's just raise awareness, see if something can be done. But it's the NFL. They just keep moving with or without you. So yeah, they don't care. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So they don't they care. Don't care. Nope. Uh, Hayes, what are you looking forward to this week as we wrap up episode 104? Watching quarterbacks on Netflix. I have not watched it. I keep hearing a lot of good things about it. This is Peyton Manning's uh, show on there, and it just actually got renewed for the second season. All I keep hearing is a lot of talk about Mahomes and Kirk Cousins. I think Mariota is the other quarterback, which it looks like from the cover or whatnot. But uh, just seeing the little clip, you know, when you hover over on Netflix, like the the little clip that they show yeah. you, uh, it was Mahomes when he injured himself in the playoffs and he limped off. And how he basically was telling the medical staff to hurry the hell up and they didn't move quick enough and he just limped back onto the field yeah. like he did not care about it. And then it panned to his uh, wife and saying like, he's is he really going to go back out there? Like he cannot play football right now. Sure enough, as we know, he did and got his team to a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> well, he got him to the next week and then got them to the Super Bowl so, and then won. But yeah, it's just interesting to see see that, especially that situation. It's like you can see, we saw it live, like the yeah, it being animated on a sideline, but you obviously couldn't hear it. Now you actually get to hear it and then hear what was going on in his mind. So I think that's really, really cool to see. I'll, I'll just be intrigued to see like who they use next season because I'm sure it's going to be three different quarterbacks that they're going yeah, to was, it was. I didn't watch it yet. It's in my queue. I saw the, the same thing. I got mm-hmm. a different trailer. But it's Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and and Mariota, yeah. which I think you know, uh, a lot of people are like, "Well, why is Marcus Mariota there?" I think I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, he did sign a contract to be the starter, and then ended up getting benched for a rookie. So, like, I think that dynamic is pretty interesting, and I'd like to see it to watch it, especially coming from a guy who was like number two overall pick and didn't mm-hmm. really pan out. Um, so yeah, that'll be. I definitely want to watch that. I saw something about Mariota talking about his personal chef and how he likes to eat sausage, sausage, uh, egg McMuffins or something like that. But yeah, it's in the queue. Definitely want to uh, start watching that soon. Cool. How about you? Um, what am I looking forward to this week? It is my son's birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday. Ethan. Birthday. Hearing this happy birthday, Ethan. So, Got a lot of fun things planned this week. Uh, and I'm going to a Yankee game and a Hudson Valley Renegade game this weekend. So, okay. Gonna right. be fun. Yeah, for you sure. But yeah. Um, also, happy birthday to one of my best friends, Mike. He is uh, the biggest fan of the Chasing Points podcast that I know. And he listens to every episode. And uh, he gives me feedback on every single episode. Awesome. So, happy birthday michael all right for brandon uh, hold on happy birthday to my dad his birthday is on sunday so happy birthday, happy birthday pops. Pops. love you and thank you for everything can't root for the dolphins so, so yeah do he he don't forget he got to watch the only team in nfl history go undefeated so he can say that that's pretty cool <laughs> is, that what, is that what made him a dolphins fan um, I'm, he's, I know he's had just followed people, but I think he just gravitated to them. Why Miami? I mean, Miami is Miami, but <laughs> I don't know why yeah. 
he gravitated to them. Never had that conversation, but I'm going to. Nice. All right. Well, happy birthday, Pops. Uh, for Brandon, my name's Sam. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm not here next week, but, uh, you know, someone will be. And uh, <laughs> shout out to all of the great guests and team that we have at the Chasing Points podcast. So uh, till next time, peace out. I want to uh, remind people of how to drive. I know it's when, when it gets hot, people just do very stupid things. Uh, a blinker is to indicate when you are going to turn. Uh, looking both ways before you enter into a street is a way to save your life and the other driver's lives. And uh, actually, uh, you know, breaking on time or giving the other driver's space to do so is another way to protect people. What I'm ultimately saying is some of you suck at driving and I'm sick and tired of having to feel like I'm out here in an F1 race, uh, but not going at high speeds and you guys are basically crash dummies. I am over this, Sam. And uh, I am starting a petition of my own. It is a take your license again, driver's li- driver's test again, coup, uh, after you get to a certain age because some people just can't drive and some don't need to be on the road. All about that, man. Perfect. Let's We'll start it up and we'll put it on the uh, the pod page. Thank you. <laughs> Peace.